If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4 and just kind of set them aside and we're going to get there in just a moment. Now, if you were not here last week, I want to go over a couple of things and uh, if you read the bulletin very closely, this is on the front page on the article uh, that I write. There's two things that we want you to do if you were not here last week. Number one, you need to go by the Welcome Center today on your way out and you need to pick up a vision booklet. Uh, or if you can't do that, you can stop by the church office this week, say hello to all of us, and uh, we'll be happy to give you one there as well. Number two, I want you to listen to the message from the Bible class to all three uh, lessons that the elders presented. I want you to go to our website at lacoc.org. How many of you go to that periodically and glance around? Good. Every week you can listen to our sermons on there. You can find out what's going on, what's coming up. Uh, Kim Hanley does a wonderful job keeping that up to date. And, uh, and so you can do that. Or if you want to request a CD where you can put it in your car or your, whatever you drive, you want to do that, that is great as well. You can request a CD uh, from our attendance card. Turn that in at the Welcome Center. And uh, Jody Humphreys will have that copied off to you. Uh, as soon as he can. But we want you to do those two things, and I'm going to add a third one to that. Pray. Continue to pray as we kick this vision off and as we are so excited about what God has in store uh, for this church and for our lives individually, I ask you to continue to pray uh, on this matter. Also, th let me kind of give you a preview of what's going to take place this month from our uh, preaching standpoint. Today, I'm going to give an overview, that's the key word this morning, an overview of core value number one, what it looks like to connect with God. Now, obviously, we have spent about 15 months praying and discerning and, and getting wisdom from the Lord on what these three values mean, and so what I want to do is I want to slow down in the month of March, and I'm going to unpack all of connect with God, core value number one, and we're just going to take our time going through that series because you remember, each one of these has three stools, three legs that kind of go with it. Under connect with God, you have sincere worship, you have spiritual disciplines, and you have that of disciple making. We are disciples who are to make other disciples. And so in the month, starting in the month of March and going until I don't know when, we're going to slow down and we're going to take those week by week and start developing those and see what those really mean in our life. Because church, here's what we want us to feel from God. We want to slow down and be still and know that God is God. And in a society and in a world that we live in today, it is rush, rush, rush isn't it? We're always in a hurry. We're going to slow down and we're going to be still and know that God is God. And so what we pray happens over the life of this vision is this. We want to be transformed more into the likeness of God's Son, Jesus Christ. We want to become this. And we feel like that once we become that, and I'm not saying that we're not already doing that or striving to be, but shouldn't we all be striving to be closer to Christ each day? And so we want to become and we want to grow into each one of these. And here's what we're praying. 
we really believe as we are transformed and as we become connected with God, the practical aspects and the how-tos or the doing of all of these will fall right into place. And I know many of you are already, well, you got those wheels of turning. That is great. Continue to pray for how this might be fleshed out in the weeks and months and years to come in the life of this church and in your individual life as well. Next Sunday, February 15th, I'm going to be out of town. Keith Bowman is going to step in and speak to us on unity of believers, and he's going to give an overview of that one. Then on February 22nd, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do a, uh, one sermon on restoring all things. And again, that'll be an overview. And then we're going to slow down and we're going to take those and see how each one of those can help us in our lives as we grow spiritually. I'm excited. Aren't you, church? I'm excited about digging deeper into God's Word and connecting with Him and really trying to see what is it that God really wants me to be a part of in his kingdom. Now, at the very beginning of our vision process, on that idea of connecting with God, I want to read to you the opening paragraph of what this encompasses. It says, here we imagine how we will empower individual believers to grow in their ability and desire to interact personally with the Lord. It is in those interactions, now listen to this, that God's grace changes people from the inside out. We will become people who bear good fruit, naturally, because we are rooted so deeply in God. We are connected in God. And because we're interested in the spiritual growth of our congregation, we will first encourage the spiritual growth of each individual member. And I don't know if you've done this yet, but I encourage you to do something. I want you to go page by page. I think there's 16 pages in this booklet. I want you to go page by page. And I want you to highlight the scriptures on each page. And then I want you to just slow down and I want you to read those scriptures, and I want you to allow the Word of God to just soak into your heart and in your mind and in your lives to really see what is God speaking to me here? What is God really trying to say to me here on the importance of connecting with God or being unified as believers or restoring all things? And so I challenge you to do that uh, in your personal time with God. Now, how many of you remember... Uh, and I think they still have these. It's called Dot to Dot. This is an activity uh, for kids. Maybe you as adults like to do this as well. It's where you would, you'll turn to a page, and you, already, you can already kind of see before you start connecting the dots, here's what I think this picture is going to look like. But before you have that in your mind, what you are to do is to kind of slow down, and you are to connect, and you're to draw a line from number one, on to number two, down to number three, up to number four, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, by the time you get to those 15 dots or those 25 dots or whatever, you have a beautiful butterfly or kangaroo or I don't know what it is. But whatever it comes out to be, man, do you see how the kids just kind of lighten up and they begin to see 
that page come to life. Now, how many of you like mysteries? Raise your hand this morning if you like mysteries. I'm going to throw some up here, and some of you may really like these. I'm going to go way on back to Sherlock Holmes days. Okay, Then you've got in the heat of the night, and you've got law and order. Monk, how many Monk fans do we have? Uh, man, isn't that great? Blue Bloods, how many Blue Bloods? That's kind of a new one on the scene. Criminal Minds, CSI. You take all of those mysteries, maybe you like to read them, maybe you like to watch them, whatever the case. In all of those things, here's what happens. Detectives will take some clues, and they'll gather them, and you know that all those clues are important. And don't you just hate it when the commercial comes on? Because, I mean, you can't wait to see what's going to be connected next and, you know, what's going to happen and how all this is going to be transformed. And even though maybe at the beginning some of those clues, maybe they don't make sense. But when the detective connects all the dots, and at the end of that mystery, at the end of that hour of that show, you begin to realize what comes from that. And then you're stuck, and you're glued, and you can't wait to the next night or the next week or whatever so you can watch the next episode. And now they've been running for so long, what do we watch? Man, we watch reruns of them. We get them on Netflix. I mean, we have them at our fingertips, and we go back and we just re-watch all of those because we're just... We love how all of that is a mystery and how it all begins to come together. Now, from a spiritual standpoint, I want you to think about this. Throughout our lives, we have collected bits and pieces of information that affect us spiritually. From our times in Sunday school, as a kid, all the way up to now as adults, we get tidbits of information from scripture and then from sermon after sermon after sermon and I know you remember all of those can I get an amen on that I'm sure you've gathered all this information and then you have those hymns and you have those Christian songs that we sing and that adds to our spiritual knowledge and you have the radio and you have TV ministries that have given you additional information and so we have all these bits and pieces of spiritual information that we have gathered over time and from different places and yet sometimes we often still feel like that God has little or nothing to do with our lives now let's be honest have we ever thought that in our lives have we ever run across a roadblock where we're so busy with school we're so busy with friends we're so busy with one activity or another that we fail to connect with God. I want you to take a deep breath this morning and I want you to realize something. Those are all natural things that take place in our lives because we're human and we get so busy that we kind of disconnect and we find ourselves going in every other direction but maybe that direction that God wants us to be in. And so here's the truth of the matter. We've got a lot of dots there, but things are so scattered in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives that we can't connect with God the way that he wants us to. And still so often, I hear this phrase come out of people's mouth. And I've even said it 
myself from time to time. I still feel so empty. Or I still feel so disconnected from God. Maybe you're there right now. Or maybe you're on a spiritual high. Maybe you're somewhere in between. I don't know. But I do know this. God created us to always be about his business. God created us to always be ever-growing and ever-changing in our walk with him. And I know, for those of you who do not like change, this is really going to stretch you, okay? Maybe there's some habits, maybe there's some practices that you need to really grow in. And that's where over the coming weeks that we're going to spend some time and we're going to look at some things, some new concepts maybe, of some spiritual disciplines in our lives, which is really nothing but habits and practices that we want to get really good at because it helps us connect with God. It helps us to grow in our relationship with Him. Now, I want you to listen to a little survey that I did this week in my study time. I took passages and characters from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I tried to find out different ways that these characters would connect with God. And so I want you to listen to some of these. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God. And he enjoyed such a close fellowship with the Lord that he never died. He just left this world and entered the other one as a natural experience. And then I thought of Isaiah, where he saw the Lord in a vision. And he fell on his face. And you remember what he did? He cried out for forgiveness. And then I thought of David. Boy, David did a lot of things in his life. One, on several occasions, he would dance before the Lord, and he would celebrate, and he would rejoice how he was connected with God. And that's why later on, David would have this phrase that was kind of nicknamed after him, he was a man after God's own heart. And then you have the children of Israel, where they fasted, and they gathered for a solemn assembly, waiting to hear God's instructions for them before they entered in to the promised land. And then you have Jonah. Remember what Jonah did? He worshiped from God. He worshiped God from the belly of a fish. And then you have Solomon who assembled that group of people to parade in a grand praise celebration at the dedication of the new temple in Jerusalem. And then you have the exiles who returned with Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When they heard Ezra stand and read from the scroll of the law, they stood as one, honoring the reading of the word of God that we do from time to time, even in our own assemblies. And then you have Daniel, who earned the nickname Camel Knees because he prayed so often to the Lord, even though a decree had been issued by Darius, this Persian king, that no one should pray to Jehovah, Daniel said, not me. Nobody's going to stop me from connecting with God and doing all that I can do, even if that means that I've got to fall on my knees daily and pray to God. But you remember what happened? He ended up in a lion's den as a result. But because he was doing the will of God, 
God spared them. Then you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, likewise, how they chose not to obey a decree of Nebuchadnezzar to bow down before an idol or to bow down before an image Nebuchadnezzar uh, built. And so they ended up in a fiery furnace as a result. But again, because they were doing the will of God, because they were connecting with God, what did God do? God spared them. Then you have Jeremiah. He wept as he preached God's message of judgment. And then you have Elijah who called down fire from heaven, bringing glory to the Lord on Mount Carmel. And then you have in the New Testament where the apostles would gather in an upper room and they saw flames of fire suspended in the air above their heads and they heard themselves speak in languages that they didn't even know. Stephen glorified God in public even as the stones began to slam into his body and began to take his life away. And then you have Paul and Silas, bruised and bleeding from a beating and persecution for proclaiming Jesus. You remember they sang hymns, I late into the hour in the evening in their prison cell. And the other prisoners, remember what they were doing? They were listening to them. Then you have the disciples again, how they returned from their travels, rejoicing that demons were subject to them. And then you had a man who had been lame from birth after being healed by Jesus, went into the temple area in Jerusalem, leaping and shouting for joy, rejoicing over the fact that Jesus had healed them. And at the same time, at the same temple, a widow woman with no fanfare and seeking to avoid any attention from others. Remember what she did? She just quietly placed her two coins, her last two coins, into the temple offering. And again, you've got the Apostle Paul poured out his heart and insight into spiritual matters in all the letters that he wrote to the different churches while he was in prison. And then you've got Jesus himself, our greatest example, how he preached in synagogues, but he also slowed down and he went to the open fields. And sometimes he would go from a boat and from other private gatherings and rooms with his disciples. He healed the blind, he raised the dead, and then in Matthew 17, he took, up, he took his disciples up on a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, for that mountaintop experience of revelation from God. And then there were those moments that he would retreat and he would go up on a mountain and pray so he could connect with his father. That moment where he cried out of his heart in Gethsemane and again when he cried out from the cross. And then in Matthew 28, on that resurrection morning when he encouraged Mary and the other women who came to the tomb early that morning. And then later that night, he encouraged all of his disciples gathered together in an upper room. A lot more examples. A lot more characters that you could think of. But do you know what all of these have in common? They represent different expressions. They represent different experiences. But once again, in each case, do you see what they did? All of those involved connected with God the Father some way. 
how are you connecting with God right now? Connecting with God simply may just be from time to time, really we do it every day, we walk with him, don't we? And as we walk with him, we sing this song, what does he do? He walks with us, and we talk to him, and he talks to us, and we go hand in hand. But maybe sometimes in our own life, from a spiritual standpoint, maybe we feel so disconnected that we can't even see in plain view where God is. Maybe it's so cloudy and maybe it's so rushed there because of life in and of itself that we have a hard time even finding God. But yet, in that still voice, in that whisper, or in that loud voice, whatever it may be, God does everything he can to get our attention, doesn't he? He does whatever it takes to see that we draw closer to him. And so in each of these situations, not only did they connect with God, they worshiped. Now, were some of those experiences different than others? Absolutely. But do you see what all of it entailed? None of it was just wrapped in a pretty box and here you go and here's the way you worship. It was done from a response from their heart, whoever the individual might have been, in a way where they would connect with God. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? They're all acceptable in the eyes of God. Because, again, it's an individual connecting with God and worshiping the way they see fit. What a beautiful story. And I love what Gordon Dahl once said. He's rightly noticed this. Most middle-class Americans, and I want you to look at this church, tend to worship their work work at their play and play at their worship. Let me read that again. Most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play and play at their worship. When I read that, knocked me out. Because that is so true in most of our lives, what we do. We get it all out of whack, don't we? And when we begin to slow down and really see that God created me to be in his presence. God created me to worship. Then it got me to thinking this. Before we can go out and be a witness to somebody else, maybe the Lord is saying you first need to just slow down and just know who I am and just worship. And then, before, if we don't understand worship, if we don't first connect with God, 
we have no real power to accomplish what we learn as disciples that we're to do in the first place. You realize the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is still available to us today. And if the power of Jesus can raise him, that tells me his power can raise up and conquer anything that we are struggling with in life right now. Whatever sin it may be that entangles, whatever it is, the power of Jesus Christ can conquer it. The power of the cross can take care of that. And so if we're not worshiping, it's highly unlikely that we're involved in the mission of God in the first place. And if we're not connecting with God, we're not going to be in a right fellowship with one another either. So I want you to look at John chapter 4 real quick. John chapter 4. And I want you to listen to this passage in verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. And yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, when you look at John chapter 4 in the context here, you can't help but realize there's a real difference in the style of worship between these two groups. The Samaritans, hated by the Jews, considered half-breeds by them, they worshipped on Mount Gerizim. Their worship celebrations were known for their exuberance and their enthusiasm. They were loud. They were what we would call rambunctious. They're being a little too crazy over here. There were lots of spirit in their expressions. However, the thing that really struggled there, a lot of times there was no truth being presented. And so the Samaritans didn't even accept anything of Scripture except the first five books of the Bible, the law. And so the Jews, on the other hand, they worshiped in the temple of Jerusalem. Their focus was on truth, not on law. They studied it, read it, focused on it. They wrote commandments about it and commentaries about it, even added to it and insisted on obeying the commandments they perceived to be the principles of God. Very little, if any, enthusiasm, no excitement. They certainly were not rambunctious or spontaneous. I mean, their gatherings had as much excitement as watching paint dry. Have you ever watched paint dry? It is boring, okay? Not something that you want to go home and do on your Sunday afternoon. But if you go back and you look here in John 4, I want you to notice the fundamental truth that Jesus is explaining here is this. Genuine worship happens when we join 
our spirits with God's Holy Spirit. When we join who we are with God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that is how we connect with God. So in other words, worship is about connecting with God. It's about joining our spirits with the Spirit of God. Now I want you to turn over to John chapter 15 for a minute. John chapter 15. This is one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John. John chapter 15 Beginning in verse 5. John, let's go to the next slide if you could, please. One more. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branch. Now, if you don't stay connected, what's going to happen? You're going to die, and just like that branch that falls from your tree and lands in your beautiful front yard, guess what you get to do with that branch? You get to burn it. You get to throw it out. Because it's not good anymore. But however, if you stay connected to Jesus, you see what he's going to do? You're going to bear much fruit. Jesus said, people will know who you are by how many verses of the Bible you know. What does he say, church? People will know who you are by the fruit that you bear what fruit are you bearing what fruit what is it when people look at your life what are you bearing in the name of Jesus for him and for his cause and for his kingdom to grow and flourish we're to be a branch but we're to be a branch that is always connected to the source And when we're connected to the source, you can't help but grow. So as we close this morning, I want to give you two practical things to do this week. Not just this week, but really I hope you do it every day. And these are actually two spiritual disciplines. And we're going to talk more over the coming weeks what some more are and what each one means in our life. You hear this a lot from preachers that you need to be in prayer, and that you need to be in Bible study, right? I want you to look at this from this standpoint this morning. I want you to take the word pray, and here's what I want you to think about, and here's what I want you to practice starting this week in your walk with him. When you pray, I want you to praise and thank God. And then I want you to repent of any sin and ask for God's forgiveness. And then ask for God's provisions for others and 
yourself. And then I want you to yearn. That's just a neat little word that means have a deep desire. Okay, I want you to have a deep desire to love, to know, and to obey God. So look at those again. Praise and thank God. Repent of any sin. Ask for God's provisions. And then yearn or have this deep desire to love and to know and obey God. Then in your Bible study, I want you to think about this. I want you to select a passage of Scripture. You use a reading plan, go through a book of the Bible, whatever you want to do, it's your study. But I only want you to select five to ten verses with that study and really dig deep with that aspect of it. And then I want you to talk with God to ask for understanding. Some of you may be thinking, well, that's not going to be hard because as soon as I start reading it, I don't have a clue what he's saying. That's okay. Tell God that and ask God to really clarify and bring clarity to your mind and to your heart. God, what are you really trying to say to me right here in this passage? And then here's a new word for you. I want you to unearth the truth that God wants you to know. Now, here's how you do that. You ask questions about the verses, you seek answers, you begin to emphasize different words in the verses to give different shades of the meaning. Then I want you to determine the one thing, what's the one thing that God is calling me to do from this passage of Scripture? How does God want me to apply what I've learned in life from this section of Scripture right here? And again, I want you to yearn. I want you to pray for God's help to do what he wants you to do. That means you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to be stretched and allow God to take you and to move you where he wants you to be. Church, listen, it is always better for you to be where God wants you to be than where you want to be. So I want you to pray about that in your walk with him this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Father, we thank you for the way that you bless our lives. We thank you, Father, for the way that you have called us in your scripture to slow down and to be still and to know who you are. May we do that, Father, and may we strive in our relationship with you to be closer to you each day. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said.